Hi there. I'm Jean Godfrey June, and this is Megan O'Neill. And we are the beauty editors at Goop. And you're listening to Goop's podcast series, The Beauty Closet, where we talk about all things beauty clean, non toxic beauty, skincare, body care, self care, and the way we think about beauty both as individuals and in the wider culture. And our guest today is a fellow beauty editor and writer and one of the most positive, wise, exuberant, talented people in the whole beauty industry. Julie Wilson is the beauty director at Cosmopolitan, and she's had an amazingly impressive career and has always used her platform to champion inclusivity. She's been a prominent voice in the Black Lives Matter movement, and her responses to the inequalities and lack of diversity in the beauty and fashion industries are really powerful, take no prisoners, clear and firm, yet they always seem to come from this great accepting place of love, which is a very hard balance to strike. So Julie's had an amazing career. Before Cosmo, she was the global beauty director for Essence, where she also hosted the brilliant podcast, The Color Files, which focused on business trailblazers in the Black community. And before that, she was a fashion and beauty editor at Huffington Post, where she also worked on Black Voices, a platform dedicated to news and features on the Black community. Big career. She has brilliant things to say about cultural perceptions of beauty and how those perceptions and the beauty industry are changing. I could listen to her forever. She's just galvanizing. She is. And the way she speaks her own truth but somehow manages to make everyone else feel included and okay is kind of incredible. Yeah, I feel like having difficult conversations is so not my strong suit. I sort of just like blurt things out because I want to make sure I say what I want to say, but it's not elegant or poised or cohesive in the way that she is. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're really good at having them, though. Difficult conversations. Oh, I think I'm terrible. <laughs> no. I, my, my, my go-to is to write an email, uh, like literally, like because I'm so much better. I feel so much more comfortable writing down how I feel. Oh, totally. Than, than, um, than saying it. But one of the things that has helped me has been actually working at Goop. You know, we've got those tenants that we follow, and one of them is uh-huh. to speak straight. And just having that in my mind, like the idea that you're going to listen generously, which is another tenant, you know, you're really going to hear what the other person has to say. I just, <laughs> I just listened to an Elise podcast Um the big goop podcast on um, how to do a great apology. And, oh. you know, and it's really powerful. And so much of it is listening. And in a difficult conversation, there are those two poles of listening and then also saying, as you say, what you want to say. And um, just having that in my mind, the phrase speak straight and listen generously does help. But I'm such a, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a people pleaser. I'm always kind of like, Oh, a confrontation. Let's let's just go right around that and <laughs> pretend it didn't happen. So No, I, I feel like you're so you're good at it. And like you you do it and you're direct and it's like and then you move on and like don't harbor resentments and it just seems so healthy. And I am working on that. I yeah, I don't know. I'm I I love that it seems like I do that well, but I I, I, <laughs> I don't know that I'm I, I do think it's easy for me, things are a little easier in business than in personal business. Mm-hmm. I'm able to see like yeah, this isn't, you know, this is just something we're trying to accomplish. It's not as emotional. As emotional. Maybe yeah, I can be a little more yeah. re- removed about it. But, but even so, when things get emotional, which they do, everybody's work does sometimes, then it becomes more difficult to have those, those kind of conversations that you need to, but definitely, but, practice. but it feels so good to have them. And there, there is something to like, not 
to just saying it. Like I went to a therapist once who was like, it's not a movie. Like it's not your delivery isn't going to be perfect, but just like say what you need to say and take it from there. Yeah. So I do think there's something to like, just like forcing it out, you know, even if it sounds like terrible. Yeah. And the idea that the only thing you can control is your perceptions and what you say. You can't control the other person's reaction at all. And we've all had experiences yeah. where we've done we've done something that that was completely innocuous and 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 another person has had a wildly True. charged reaction to it. So, you know, and those things do illustrate like you don't know what's going on in the other person and you're not responsible for it and you can't control it. <laughs> which is so yeah, that, hard that to is so learn. true but yeah no and i do think now more than ever we're going through this time where people are so engaged in anger and julie really brought this up a bit you know that it's easy to go to anger particularly when you see awful things happening yeah. it's it's almost impossible not to go to anger but to try to meet each other somewhere it takes work it's worth the work for sure. <laughs> it is worth the work. I Yeah, I love what she says about that. Yeah. Well, let's get to her because she is amazing. Let's do it. Well, hello, Julie. We are hello. so excited to have you. <laughs> this is the greatest. I'm so excited. I can't even like let you finish your sentence. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the first question we have, maybe it's because like we're beauty editors, but how... Has your approach to how you cover beauty at Cosmo, congrats, by the way, um, differ from how you covered beauty as global beauty director at Essence, a magazine that speaks to a predominantly black audience? Have you adjusted anything or do you think, is it all women want the same thing out of beauty coverage? It's an awesome question. I feel like people are very curious about this because it is going from a very niche publication to a more mainstream world. But I come from the mainstream world. My first job was at Real Simple Magazine and I went to the Huffington Post and then I landed at Essence. So I do have this kind of universal sense, obviously, of beauty. At Essence for four years, I was very dedicated to what Black women and women of color were looking for. And I don't honestly mm -hmm. think that much has changed from that now that I'm at Cosmo because mm -hmm. there is that readership there. And yes, I for can sure a white woman's, you know, beauty, but I also think that there is a real need and thirst for our readers of color to feel seen. So part of like sure. my jam there now <laughs> is to really bring that type of storytelling and be super unapologetic about it. Um, yeah. I think that it's important for me to lean in to that community. If I'm there and I have a seat at the table, I definitely want to make sure that she's seen, heard, and most importantly celebrated. So it's not that far of a stretch of what I've been doing. And I even say sometimes I'm like when I was at Essence, like I would go to events like beauty events, as you both know, um, <laughs> very, you know, there's numerous um, beauty events, but I would go to a lot of the events that I would never write about at Essence because it's like right. we don't need that product or whatever. But I knew if I wanted to be the most badass beauty editor I could be, even having a full-time job at Essence, I needed to make sure that I knew about everyone's beauty. Yeah, yeah, totally. That sort of leads into our next question. 
beauty is so charged, right? And so is the job of being a beauty editor and writer, where you're literally helping to define what the culture deems beautiful, whether that's like a certain hairstyle or makeup look or model or cool girl you choose to profile. What initially drew you to the beauty industry? It's so funny because I always loved beauty, but like I was like drawn to fashion at first. So I started my career in fashion. Mm. Um, I started off as a fashion assistant, then became a fashion editor in that and kind of moved my way up in fashion when I was at Real Simple. And then when I went to the Huffington Post, when back in 2011, where magazines were folding, keeping their digital, I just knew I needed digital experience. So Mm -hmm. going to HuffPost was so important and like so pivotal in my career to learn that digital like side of the business. And when I went to um, HuffPost, they were like, well, we want you to write beauty too. And I was like, well, that's exciting. Sure. (laughs) And I quickly fell in love with it. I mean, I was just like, this is everything. And I felt too (laughs) that it was more like one, not one size fits all, because obviously there's different hues and like all of that, but it seemed more inclusive, right? It seemed more (laughs) of like a playing field that I could actually get in, make some change, and also, you know, start interesting conversations. Fashion is very stuck in the mud. There's a lot of sizeism still going on there, a lot of racism. Not to say that beauty is perfect, but it seemed like I could move the needle more in beauty. And like, who doesn't love products and, you know, (laughs) right? Getting your hair done and putting on $500 serums and like manis and petties. And I was like, wait, you send me the product and I don't have to send it back? Oh, totally. (laughs) Unlike fashion, yeah. Yeah, fashion, it's like constantly getting stuff, checking it in and then using it and then like sending it back. I was like, I don't even have to send this stuff back. We're good. We're going to do beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Good work, yeah. You've been vocal throughout your career in uh, about the lack of diversity, certainly in fashion, but also in beauty. You know, it exists yeah. in both places for sure. Did you get pushback? And how did you push past the pushback? For sure. I mean, it's always hard to kind of push against like the status quo because you want to be especially in fashion and beauty, as you both know, that like you want to be accepted, you want to be cool, you want to be like, Mm -hmm. you know, like everyone else in a sense of being welcomed with open arms into an industry. And so for me, I think I battled that a bit in early on in my career and being like, Julie, just don't rock the boat, just like have a job. You live in New York City, so expensive. This is what you always wanted to do. Just like, almost just like shut up and like, just do the work. But I quickly, honestly, that time was very short because Mm -hmm. I knew that, you know, looking around, I didn't see many people that looked like me or understood that there needed to be change. And so I, I started speaking up. And honestly, I have to say that a lot of the reason why I felt comfortable also speaking out against certain brands or certain situations in the Mm -hmm. industry is that I worked at media companies that weren't necessarily in bed with a lot of these. My career up until now at being at Cosmo, I didn't work at the Cosmos, the L's, the Harper's Bazaars, the Vogue's, get all of this money from you know, these advertisers and like, you can't say that that company doesn't have a, like a large shade range, Julie, or you can't poo poo on that campaign. I was working 
at, you know, for the most part, like most of my career of being outspoken kind of sparked at HuffPost. And that wasn't, that's no juggernaut for like beauty and fashion advertising. It's a news media brand. So I was able to say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. What are y'all doing? Ba-ba-ba-ba and be super vocal about it. And even when I went to Essence, I was able to be vocal about certain things. Like when that whole thing with Gucci and Dapper Dan went down and most media outlets couldn't say Gucci plagiarized and they're wrong. Right. I was able to say it because... Gucci didn't advertise with Essence. So what am I there to lose? And so a lot of brands, when I wrote about it on Essence.com, they picked up the story and they were like, well, Uh this is happening. And Julie Wilson from Essence says it's plagiarism and that blah, 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 blah. So it's like, she said it, we didn't, but. Right. So it was, you know, so it's been interesting to have the type of career that I've had a trajectory at the brands because that's allowed me to be more outspoken. During Black Lives Matter and the pandemic, like, you know, the past few months, you did something really cool. You were really quick to post on your Instagram an amazing list of Black-owned beauty brands to support. And I've, I've always noticed something you've done in response to hearing about all this violence against Black people happening in the country is to post pictures of your, your family, of your husband and your son playing in a playground, smiling, embracing, just living their lives. And it's such a beautiful, effective response. Is that your instinct to respond with with love? Or do you have to work through that? Did you have to work through that initially? I think my knee-jerk reaction is always love. I have a good friend, Marjan Carlos, who's always like, I went to a Quaker boarding school in Pennsylvania. And if anything, oh. if anyone knows about Quakers, it's like, there's a light of God within everyone. They're so, you know, they take the high road. They try to find, and she's always like, Julie, you're always taking the high road. Like, I don't understand, like, how you can just... <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really impressive. <laughs> you can be so positive. Although I just saw a meme that said something like, I know I'm supposed to go high, like Michelle Obama says, but I'm going to go uh-huh. medium because God's <laughs> still working on me. So it's like, I like to go high slash medium. It's not like this super easy not to be just angry, but I know mm-hmm. that I have a platform and like I have a voice and thank God I ha- I've been given some type of influence that if I have this following, I'm going to make sure that I'm posting pictures or messages that show blackness in a celebratory and dope light. And mm-hmm. thank I'm a black woman married to a black man raising a black son. And I'm so proud of that. And so it's very easy for me to, you know, celebrate that. And hopefully other people see that and don't, and it changes their perception or softens their heart to any racist feelings they have about who the black community is on a whole. So, yeah. And then even with like the black owned beauty brands, like, Come on. I was like, I'm not going to do a list of 30. I can rattle off 125 off the top of my head. And I yeah, know your list was huge. <laughs> it was amazing. That was slight work, sis. Like that was <laughs> that was me just sitting there being like, boom, boom, boom. I know most of those founders. I've used most of their products. Like I've interviewed them, done the whole nine yards. So for me, it was like, this is just what I do. I could have done 100, I mean, 225, but the way my time is set up, I was like, I need to like chill. So yeah, just going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's true. It's like, that is a form of activism. And I knew that 
I'm not necessarily going to all the protests. I went to a few, but, you know, I wanted to keep my family safe and that sort of thing. What is a way for me to be at home and be in the space, this beauty space that we all love and try to make a change there and letting people know that there was that many black owned beauty brands out there that they could pour into. So powerful. (laughs) Yeah. So powerful. It it just, I think people didn't realize. And um, there's certainly anybody could be understood saying, you do the work yourself, like start studying up. But also when you give people the tools to help them do the work, like, oh, they could look at these brands and then start doing stories on them and that kind of thing. It just, it was so powerful, I thought. And effective. Just trying to do the work, ladies. (laughs) Following up on this a little is one of the easiest ways for a brand, any brand, to appear more inclusive is to include more visuals of black people, people of color in their campaigns or on their platforms. Black Lives Matter has definitely had a huge effect on, you know, brands that you were like, oh, wow, these people are posting these pictures. And are there other effects that you see BLM having on diversity in the beauty industry beyond just branding visuals? Can that be a trap in terms of, you know, not looking deep into a brand and seeing who they're hiring and that kind of thing? Absolutely. I mean, look, we obviously want to see that there are people of color at the table. And I think that is what Sharon Shooter was doing with Pull Up or Shut Up. You know, Sharon Shooter, the mm-hmm. um, of Oma Beauty. So I love that initiative. But also, show me the money. Like, (laughs) these companies now, it's not just this performative, let's put up a black box, let's put up a black person. Do we have a black girl putting our serum on? Do we have a black girl putting our lipstick on? It's also about where are your funds going? And a lot of brands, we saw what Glossier did. Mm -hmm. We see what, you know, a lot of brands are now saying, we are going to allocate funds, grants, whatever. Tresemme is doing it with black um, hairstylists that we are now pouring into a community that we shamefully ignored for so long or we used in a way that was only for show and for performative reasons mm-hmm. actually pouring into the economic wealth, you know, growth of these companies. So I love the fact that there are many brands out there that are putting funds and shelf space. We see what's going on with Aurora James and this 15%, you know, mm-hmm. camp, you know, Sephora is right. now, we will have 15% of our, our shelf space dedicated to black owned companies. So it's important that those sorts of things not only happen now, but continue to happen. And I'm hoping that they know that we will keep watching to see if like their foot is still in the gas. Yeah. Sure. And, and Julie, you, you touched on this earlier, but you have a really interesting perspective on what white privilege can look like in the beauty industry when you were talking about being the, the dopest beauty editor you could possibly be. So yes. it's your job, you're saying, as an expert to report on beauty for everyone. So all skin types, all hair types. You could probably write a self-tanner story. You probably have written many self-tanner stories, even yes. if you're not using it. Absolutely. But you've also noted that it's not necessarily incumbent on a white beauty editor to know and be able to write about black hair and something like relaxer and transitioning to natural texture. Do you think that that one-sided approach to beauty is changing finally? Yes. 
That's the short answer. Yes. I'm really <laughs> hopeful. I, I believe in our industry and I believe in the colleagues that I see around me. When I put up that 125 black owned beauty list, I got so many DMs and emails from um, beauty editors, white beauty editors from within Hearst, but also outside of, you know, Hearst at Condé at Meredith saying, Hmm. thank you so much. I was being lazy. I didn't know that these brands existed and I wasn't doing my due diligence and my job. And so that's a start, the fact that they're even acknowledging it. But, you know, there's still work to be done. I mean, you still, you know, we're not going to any beauty events now, but, you know, we've, I've been to many black, you know, centric beauty Mm -hmm. product events and there's no white editors. And if there are editors from their publications, they send like the black intern or assistant and they're like, you right. go. Like, well, you need to know about this too. You can't just like always pin the black story on the black person that you have on staff. So, you know, I've gotten in trouble, not in trouble, but I feel like it's very controversial. The things I've said in the past about the fact that like you shouldn't have a job like editor-in-chief should be like if you're interviewing a white potential editor if she can't tell you five edge controls she shouldn't have the job because yeah if, if i can it's run you five point. medium hold hairsprays then <laughs> and i don't even put that in my hair then you know there is definitely a difference between our skill level and and what we can bring to the table at your publication or media brand. So I think that speaking on it, speaking with you guys about it and getting that messaging out will bring change. And I, I'm I'm hopeful. I feel like I've been guilty of that. You know, I'll be like, Megan or Simone, go to this event and, and tell me if it's good. And I, yeah. I, I for sure have done that. And I, it's a really, a really powerful point. It is. Yeah. And, and it makes it makes content better if if everyone can write about everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that your black editor or whatever shouldn't go to that. I'm sure they'd be excited to go to that because it's actually a product, one of the few products that they can actually use and there's efficacy for them. Mm-hmm. But go with them and say, like, I don't really know much about, like, you know, hyperpigmentation or I'm not really sure about, like, how a lace front weave works, even though white people wear lace front weaves, too. But you know what I'm saying? Like, or like, I don't understand box braids the way I should. And I know going to this event where they're talking about a product that helps with protective styles, like, I need to know that even if you don't ever write about it, it's like be the best beauty editor, director, whatever you can be. Totally. And, and Jean, we, like, I feel like we throw you all the self tanner. events. <laughs> true. But, but yeah, but like when we, we, when we, we all do need stuff, to know. When we do stuff together, like Megan wrote this absolutely incredible piece a couple of years ago on black hair care and the, the toxins in it and spoke to a I woman who was, um, It was just uh, it was absolutely groundbreaking and getting to edit her on that and work with her and like be sitting next to her while she was like, oh, my God, this, you know, uncovering these statistics. That was really powerful. And it was, you know, it's a credit to you, Megan, that you uncovered all that stuff. And so I learned it because I sure didn't, you know, (laughs) but But that's the like, thanks for the editing. (laughs) Yeah. But like, ladies, like, isn't that the beauty of it? Like understanding other cultures and like communities and how they intersect with this amazing 
thing we all love called beauty. Like yes. I remember consulting with like P&G when they were coming out with their Royal Oils collection, which was their kind of like black community centric head and shoulders collection for uh-huh. like quote unquote dandruff, right? Yeah. yeah. I was saying to them, I was like, you can't call it dandruff because black <laughs> people think that that's a white person affliction. Like, even though it technically, if we went to like a dermatologist or whatever and got diagnosed, they would say you have dandruff. That's just like not something we really readily use in our community. We say we have a flaky scalp or dry scalp or like Mm. whatever it is. And so you need to use like even that type of language vernacular to, you know, to to impart. Yeah, to impart the message that you're trying to give, but it's so nuanced. And I think that that is like what's so magical about beauty is that we can talk about the same thing in different ways and different storytelling and still kind of get to the same conclusion. But let's have fun with like understanding each other's communities and how we intersect with beauty. Mm, Definitely. Black girl magic is something you hashtag on your Insta a lot. What does that phrase hashtag mean to you? Oh my God, everything. (laughs) (laughs) In so many different ways. And again, I think a lot of people might get like their panties in a bunch about like, it's like Black Lives Matter and Black Girl Magic. Like what? White girls aren't magic? And I'm like, no, white girls are magic (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that I'm a black woman and I know from the black woman I am and the black women that are around me that like we are magical and we're just going to let y'all know that. If you want (laughs) to like, (laughs) celebrate your magic in some other way that's fine but it's also a way in which we've always had to like self-reference our beauty because Mm -hmm. society Mm -hmm. and media weren't holding up a mirror to us and saying you're beautiful and like look at all of the ways that you're beautiful the way your hair grows out of your scalp or when you even want to wear like a 30 inch like Naomi Campbell-esque weave like we weren't seeing the variety of beauty that we were so like we came up with these phrases like black is beautiful and black girl magic and black don't crack and all of those mm-hmm. things because it is so self-referenced and we just need to big up each other. So yeah. for me, it's about big upping not only myself and how I show up in the world as a black woman, but how the black women who are in my lives, how they do that as well. That is such a good description. Just saying. okay is what was considered beautiful in magazines when you were growing up different from what you see in magazines and on platforms today for sure again I think it's about like the variety right like there's got to be like diversity in your diversity like Uh you know we were seeing like the one model yeah yeah it was always one model She's light skinned, she's mad ambiguous. She's got like, you know, very like soft curls or they would go the way opposite extreme and be like, give you a lack weck who's stunning, who's like super dark skinned, like, you know, short kinky hair. Like it was like, well, we're checking that one box. But the fact that like black women are so like diverse (laughs) in their diversity is like begs the to push the the idea that you need to see more i'm actually um writing a feature for cosmo about Mm. how black women intersect with beauty in our november issue i'm really proud of it yeah because can't wait to read that Yeah, because it's such like an interesting, I call it like love language. We do have this self-reference point. We do like when a black woman compliments another black woman, Megan, you know this, like 
you could be like walking down the street and you see a black woman with her curls popping or something and you will stop her stranger whatever and be like yes girl what are you using in your hair we like talk to each other it's like for sure social media our own personal social media network which is like really mm-hmm. cool and yeah. the fact that we have like such a reverence also for age, I think is another way that's really unique. Like yeah. you ask us who our like beauty muses are or like our inspiration, we'll oftentimes like reference people that are like twice our age. I'll say like Diana Ross, Tracy Ellis mm-hmm. Ross, Grace Jones. And I'm like, you don't hear your white girlfriends being like Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. like Meryl Streep. There's not this like super crazy focus on like, age and like youth the way others are we are very reverent of like age and like how we age i mean melanin helps but like you know it's like it's different it's just different yeah that's such a good point do you see as far as so standards of beauty in the future you're looking to just push the inclusivity and showing the variety makes so much sense um and the lack of ageism right like that pro-aging yeah, oh. thing i remember <laughs> when sure. i could I go on and on believe me i'm 56 <laughs> and you it's, do not um, look 56 which is well good Nor- but, norma like, kamali caught us the taught us the best thing she was like when somebody says dead. to me you know you don't look your age i tell them no i do i look my age i look like me <laughs> you know, because it's like an age, a particular number being bad or looking like you're whatever age it is. And in her case, 72, which is unbelievable. But she's like, we should stop calling it unusual. This is true. I think and that's I'm a good like, point. You know, I love that. Um, yeah. You you always make your case so clearly and listen and respond thoughtfully, no matter how charged the conversation. We, we touched on this earlier a little. What advice do you give? give people about having difficult conversations around inclusivity, whether it's at work or in their personal life? Wow. Again, a good question. And one that I don't necessarily have like a definitive answer for. <laughs> the, so. the easy, the, f- the five easy tips. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was talking to a girlfriend the other day and she was like, yeah, like you're so outspoken. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to say it. And I was like, that came with time, you know, an experience and gaining respect from the people that you're talking to about these things. You know, like it's I think it's a journey. I don't think it's just like this, like thing that, you know, this tip and then you go in yeah, there and yeah, you're right. like, you know, this like warrior of your words. <laughs> I'm but like, you're not, I don't care. You're very like purposeful, you know, right, but not like I like, I guess they were like, don't care about what kind of reaction you get. And part of me uh, is just kind of like, I've gotten to a point in my career where I feel very confident in what I know. I feel like I'm good at my job, which we should all do that. We should all lean into our dopeness. It's not <laughs> to say that I don't have imposter syndrome or I don't feel like confident sometimes but there are those moments where I'm just like no what I know what I'm fucking talking about and like mm-hmm. I need to like speak up because I know what the fuck I'm talking about so like <laughs> let like let me do that and like let me have that moment like let me not let that moment slip away because there are plenty of moments where I'm like I'm not sure I want to even touch on that because I'm not sure how I feel about it or I'm not as knowledgeable about it. So, or like, I just don't feel like I'm good enough in this moment, which we all go through, even when you're Mm -hmm. a director at Cosmo Mm -hmm. and 
I'm just going to fall back. But those moments, that spark of a moment where you're like, I can actually like own this right now, like do it, mm. lean into it and do it. Yeah. I love that. Cause that, that's like trusting your gut. It's like, you're, you know what you want to say, you're like bursting to say it, but like still you hold yourself back sometimes. So like, what if you didn't like go for it, sis? Yeah. That's so good. How do you talk about physical beauty in your house with your six-year-old son, who is the cutest little boy of all time? Like, it's insane. Oh, thank you. <laughs> with I the mean, best fashion sense. He is really, you know, he's in it to win. I mean, we have, as you guys know, I'm sure, because you're working remotely, there's no beauty closet to speak yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, We're not oh my God. The worst. <laughs> I mean, I look like an Ulta beauty warehouse right now. Like it is ridiculous. Like I just have boxes and bags and all of the things. So he is very, he knows what mommy does. He knows I work at Cosmo. Anytime you see the magazine, he like runs over and he's like, mama, Cosmo. Or he'll tell people. (laughs) My mom works at Cosmo. I'm like, you're like the best hype man ever. Um, But it's so cute. But he, for him, I think it's really important for me to let him know how beautiful he is. This is a really interesting time because he sees the protests. He's like right at the age where he's kind of understanding what's kind of going on. And we Mm. talk to him about civil rights. We live in Harlem. So we're right in the center of things. We have a statue of Harriet Tubman on our corner and he knows who Harriet Tubman is. He knows what she did. He knows about slavery. He knows that things weren't right back in the day. And he knows that we're still fighting for it now. So for me, it's about letting him know that he's still worthy and he's still amazing despite what, some people might think telling him his hair is beautiful. He has locks. So, mm-hmm. you know, people like a lot of times people, he has pretty like his long locks, like well past his shoulder. So a lot of times people will call him a girl or, you know, kids in the playground be like your hair, like what's going on with your hair. And so even <laughs> teaching him language of saying, you know, thank you. I love my hair. And like, isn't it nice? So good. Yeah you know, saying like, there's something weird about it. That's really important to us to make sure that one, we're transparent with him about what's going on, but also that we're pouring into his like self-love. Yeah, that's amazing. Is it interesting observing what he's drawn to aesthetically? Like, does he have aesthetics? Does he like his hair? He does. Like every time, like I, cause like even the other day he got Play-Doh in it and I was like, boy, (laughs) It's not like how we're doing. And I was like, I I guess maybe we should just cut off your hair and you can have hair like Dada. Because my husband has really short hair cut, like just like a regular fade. He's like, no, 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 no. Like he loves it. Like he loves that's cool. And, you know, he loves the fact that he can also look different, but like the same. He's like, I know I kind of look like my Dada and we have the same skin color and all of that. But like, this is my thing. Oh. That's cool. That is good. You yourself have incredible hair. Ooh, do you, like, do you have any curl secrets in particular? Like hair that will will bug you for more beauty tips a little bit later. But we just like you were talking oh about hair, gosh. and I'm like, oh my god, your hair. It's been a journey, ladies. I mean, like, <laughs> I think that's for everyone, like black, white, otherwise. Like, I think loving your hair for everyone is definitely a journey. And for me, it, it has been too. I mean, I I didn't start wearing my natural like hair hair. I never had like 
perms. Like I had for like a few years when I was growing up, but my hair was just breaking off. So I would Mm. just have my natural hair, but straighten it or wear it in braids. I never wanted to wear it curly or in an Afro up until probably like, you know, 10 years ago when I started at HuffPost. And so now it's just been fun, like getting to know her, you know, like getting (laughs) to know her this quaff and like getting to like try different products and I still braid her I still straighten her I think that again that's part of like black girl magic that we can do so much with our hair and so I've been having a lot of fun as far as tips it's just like being positive I think that that is one thing you know how they say like you can talk if you talk like positively to like a plant it like grows Mm -hmm. better yeah I feel like it's like the same thing with your hair. It's like you just have to, even on the day when she's not behaving the way you would like her to behave, you just have to be like, well, thank God I have hair on my head. And like, yep, true. Through this day. And I know you're not doing what I want you to do, but I still love you. So it's and like, your skin, right? Yes, skin and body. That works too. You have to. Yeah. You have to. You have to be like, you're acting up right now. You're really showing your ass. But. I'm going to love you through it. <laughs> that is really no, good. Our tip. Are you into clean beauty at all? For sure. I love it. I'm loving like finding products that I'm like, oh my God, you work. Because, you know, I think for so long, we're just like, what's the technology and what's going on? And like, what's the innovation? And like, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm like, you're just some rose hip oil with some like essential oils in you with maybe like a touch of like sweet almond oil and you're like kicking this like $500 serums butt. I like it's you. amazing. Yeah, it works. Like, yeah. And I've been like leaning into that too. And like buying my own oils and essential oils and that sort of thing. And trying to like create things at home too, just to like, just for the hell of it. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have Do you any favorite brands? Oh my gosh. I love Folk. If you haven't heard of Folk, it's a black owned company. She, um, it's Folk with a PH. She um, uses a lot of recipes and ingredients from the African diaspora. So, you know, it's very interesting to see like that history and that heritage come together in her formulations, but I love it. I think it's really amazing and you know, it works. So good. Okay, and so we're going to take advantage of you being a beauty editor and ask you some more <laughs> beauty tips. Um, we have to know about your skin. You have amazing looking skin. What's your, what do you think is the secret? I mean, come on. I have like the the best products at my disposal. <laughs> so I think that has been really great. I, it's allowed me to, to switch up my regimen when something's not working like very seamlessly since like I said, I have like a whole beauty closet here at home. If like you know, I'm double cleansing and the seasons change or my skin changes. And it's like, oh, you don't need to necessarily double cleanse right now. Or you just need something that's a little more, you know, um, you know, powerful or like, you know, or you're breaking out. You've got this adult acne going on. Like I can pivot 
in a way that not most people can. And I'm sure you guys can attest to that as well. So it's been really nice that I have so many amazing products on hand. I think it's also just being so hyper aware of like knowing how certain products work and the ingredients and the technology and that sort of thing. And we can adjust, you know, our regimens to that. So like, it's really truly like the whole like knowledge is power. And it's like, no, I know right now that I need to be using glycolic acid and mm. doing this and da, da 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 or like I need to lay off on the retinol right now and I need to do this. <laughs> it's so amazing to have that like encyclopedia in your head of like beauty knowledge. Yeah, and it makes you your, your the best expert for your skin. It's great. Yeah, it's true. It's great. Do you ever have breakouts at all? Yes, like, or, yeah. And what do yes. you do? What what's do your you strategy? Do you then? I do. I do. It's like crazy. I mean, girl, I'm very blessed that most of the time she's behaving. My skin likes, you know, like I said, like I have the products to keep her in line, but I definitely have breakout moments. And like, you know, I reach for my Renee Rouleau, like, you know, drying lotion or, you know, anything that I have, like I have an arsenal of things that I can, I can use. So yeah, I'm, I'm constantly spot treating And (laughs) since we've all been at home, you know, we've certainly, you know, beauty editors is one thing you definitely get to try out all kinds of new treatments at salons and, um, you know, whether it's skin or hair, we've sort of not been doing that like everyone else for a while. Was there stuff like, did you cut your own hair while you've been at home? Have you given yourself a facial, like any of those things that you'd normally maybe go out for? Do you have any good tips? (laughs) So I didn't cut my, I I mean, I trim my own hair, but I usually end up doing that myself anyway, but I definitely went and got my hair braided. Usually I have my hair braider who I love, Camilla of Miss Hair and Humor, come Mm -hmm. to the house. Obviously that's not She's actually was injured. So like she couldn't do my hair. So I went to Ancestral Strands. I made a journey out to Brooklyn, one-on-one, wore my mask all seven hours to get my hair braided. Oh man going on vacation. And so I was like, what I'm not doing is dealing with this Afro at the beach. So I was Mm. like, I need to get my hair braided. So did that. I also, before I went on vacation, got a Manny and Petty at home, had amazing Trina come over and do my, my, and my feet. We wore a mask the whole time. My family was out of the house, like the whole nine yards. But it was like, I need to make a little bit of sacrifices to get some of these things done. As far as doing things on my own, I mean, I haven't done any like crazy like treatments or anything. I have new face. Mm. So I'll do some of that like, you know. Oh, you like that? That's a cool one. It's a good one. I just don't do it consistently enough. Yeah, me too. Like get hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for to like make a difference, but I keep telling myself I am. But also, I don't know about you guys, but like being able to just like do masks in the middle of the day or like yes. take take a bath mm-hmm. even in the middle of the day. I've been actually doing those things, which I think is really a dope self-care. So I'm soothing. like face oil all the time. Like I'm like, I could just put this face oil on all the time. So I do. Yes, or like re-moisturize <laughs> like your whole entire body in the middle of the day, not just like put a face Mm -hmm. mist on a la Michelle Lee, I can actually like lotion my legs. I could like grease my scalp in the middle of the day without like Mm -hmm. in the office or in a meeting. So I'm finding all of this extra extra self-care time to be glorious. 
Yeah, the best is a mask while in the bath. That's like yes. the ultimate. Yes. That's so good. All the bath bombs I've been doing, like it's getting oh. wild. But again, like I have all this product. I got to use it somehow. We got to send you goop baths. They are like, oh, yeah. they are like next level, truly. Um, can I get a vagina <laughs> candle too? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and it's they're happening. right over. It's the hottest thing on the market. Like I need a vagina candle. You do. It smells Everyone incredible. Everyone needs one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding you to it. We will, we will send it right over. This has been so incredible, Julie. Thank you for taking yeah, the time with you. us and having the patience with us with all our questions. Thank you for having me. As you guys both know, because I've told you personally, but I'm a huge fan of both of you guys. And I'm just so honored that I am even talking to y'all right now. I mean, Megan and I go way back and like have come up in the industry together as another black woman to another black woman. It's just been like such a joy to see oh. your trajectory, Megan. But also, Godfrey Jude, like, hello, legend, <laughs> icon. So I think I totally fangirled out when you emailed me, but I have to do it on air too that you are just someone who I've looked to in my career and you've set such a high bar on how to be a dope beauty editor, director. And so it is <laughs> very much an honor to be talking to you. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. Oh, okay and i am totally cheering up so thank you that was incredibly yeah. nice um Best send off ever <laughs> truly truly well hopefully we'll see you sometime soon at you know an event or something um when the world starts to become a normal place again please soon 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 fingers crossed but thank you so much thank thanks you. julie That was an amazing one. I mean, we've known her for so long, but it was great to, it's great to interview somebody, you know, as a peer, you know, um, yeah, a, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's so cool. I get there. You know, we always see a particular side of a beauty editor, you know, when we're at an event or we're reading something they wrote, and this is just like a whole new angle on her. I thought, I loved what she said because it's something I never feel um, <laughs> about being, you know, an expert and like being a dope beauty editor, knowing your shit, you know, oh knowing everything. And I was like, I so do not know everything. I mean, I'm always like, thank God I can interview people because otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have totally, to yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it's such a good point about being an expert. If you're an expert in whatever it is you do, you have to know about things that don't necessarily pertain to you. Yeah, and it's something like it's, it's so true. It's something, you know, it absolutely like a huge blind spot on my part and on the part of white writers everywhere, you know, is sort of being like, "Oh, I mean, I can remember when they'd be like, "Let's do an ethnic beauty story." Meaning, you know, oh just God. a person who's yeah. not white, like whatever, the, the, all those people who are not white. Um, it made me think, I mean, I loved what she said about, you know, because um, certainly there have been like, you know, black skincare launches, black hair care launches that I've been like, Megan, go see about it because you know. You know, and I sort of think like, yeah. and she's right. I should go with you and I should freaking learn. I'm supposed to be an editor. It's true. I'll be better about future self-tanner stories. Oh like I, yeah, I feel it's like it's true though. If we, if we want to be great, like we, we need to know everything. I love that she said that. Yeah, it's and, and it's also like, I think she said this before, but it's like, 
you know, a hairstylist who can't do black hair. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you call yourself a hairstylist? Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Well, and it's also being able to stand in someone else's shoes. I've always thought that writing about beauty is about standing in the readers' shoes and thinking, what are they thinking when they're looking in the mirror? They're trying to get ready. They want to look good for whatever it is. What are those feelings and what what would really help them and what is like totally useless? Like the the 90th time we say, drink water when you go on a plane, you know, right. not so useful. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's that empathy and not knowing what somebody's going through when they're say, you know, the example she brought up of making the transition from taking your hair from relaxed or straightened to natural, what that involves. If you can't imagine what that's like, you can't, yeah, you don't know what the the process is, then it's very hard for you to stand in that person's shoes and write an article that's going to be helpful to them. The empathy point is so true. And, And also just like, just being, she talks so much about inclusivity and it's like, even things like when I was growing up, you know, beach hair, be, everyone wants beach, beach hair, right? But beach hair was like always this like white girl thing mm-hmm. for like straight hair. But, and I, and we've done this at Goop, like, you know, beach hair isn't that. Beach hair is just like a carefree Salty, mood and it can oil, be any kind you know, of hair. Like feeling, yeah, just like, yeah. it's like your hair down. It's just carefree. It's definitely, yeah. And sort of the Goop feeling, you know, and that's one of the things I've loved about being at Goop is it's much more about playing up your skin, your hair, Mm -hmm. not being like, okay, here's the 15 step, you know, thing to make yourself not look like yourself anymore. You know, she talked a little about loving your hair. I, the way that she talked about it, I thought was so new. I always have that tip of find a celebrity who has your same hair naturally, you know, that's really pretty that you think is like super hot and look at that celebrity. And then you're like, okay, yeah, this kind of hair is good because I think we often right. like look at somebody who's different and go, oh, that, that person's pretty. Oh, I want that. You know? Yeah. And it has nothing to do with how you look. Totally. Yeah. And everything she's pushing for and, you know, we've been pushing for in terms of inclusivity, a variety of <laughs> black women, you know, when they're like, there's yeah. it's only Alec Weck or it's only Naomi Campbell, you know, that's, right. it's a step. That's not real. It's one step, but it's, it's nowhere near enough. That was a great I point. thought that was really, really powerful. And the idea going back to the, the idea of sort of holding your hair's hand and being like, I love you anyway, even though you're, oh, I love that. <laughs> I, that is just, I think that is really powerful. I think that really can just like make you love, own and love what you already have. That's a thing that I've been talking about in therapy, not with physical parts of myself, but you know, when you have a, an anxious part, a lot of our, our instinct is to be like, Oh, that's a ridiculous worry. Stop thinking about that. And it's like, we all know, like, you know, don't think of pink elephants. If you, if you try not to think about something, it's just going to get worse. And then you're going to keep going, Oh, I'm failing at this. I'm doing such a bad job. And the idea of sort of holding that part's hand and saying, yeah, I, I understand why you're upset. Yeah, that's scary for you, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, and realize yeah. that it's just a part of yourself. It's not your whole self, but that you don't need to shut it up. And it's similar. To, that's powerful. You know, it reminded me when she said the thing about your hair and saying, you know, I love you anyway. I'm going to be there for you. You're great hair. Thank God I've got you. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> like we yeah, need to sort of nice. accept parts of our personalities as well as our looks. <laughs> That is so true. And yeah, be kinder to yourself, right? That's what it comes down to. Every part. Yeah. Yeah. 
So on the site, I do a column called Megan Tries It, and you do one called Ask Jean, and we get a whole bunch of beauty questions. And we're going to answer them all right now, right here. So should we get into today's Ask Me Anything? Yes. And if anyone listening has a question they want us to answer, send it over to Goop on Instagram or Facebook. Now today's question. Hillary wants to know, what's the best serum for skin over 30? I mean, every skin is different, right? But <laughs> Totally. Well, I, um, I'm, I'm 35. I'm 36 in like a week. I think the best thing for kind of all skin types, not just over 30, is vitamin C. And it's just, yeah, I know you agree. (laughs) It's just, it's just super researched and it has, you know, brightening and firming and like mildly exfoliating properties. And it just makes your skin look better and brighter and more alive, kind of pretty, quickly. pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you really see a difference. And then also in the long term, and the one from the one we make at goop is so freaking good. Like I wear it, I use it every single morning. I use it at night sometimes too. And it's so potent because you, you get it and you mix it yourself. So it comes with pure vitamin C powder and then hyaluronic serum and you mix them together. It takes like one second. It's so easy. And then, um, it's fresh bottle. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. So I would say vitamin C. Yeah. I, vitamin C, I, Totally can agree. Um, and I think um, the problem with with any vitamin C serum is, will it last long enough for you to still keep getting benefits? You know, it go, it, it's very reactive, vitamin C. And so uh, it, it oxidizes quickly and it's not bad for you after it oxidizes. It just doesn't do anything. So um, that's why the Goop Glow is amazing because, it, you know, we give a, a supply that will stay fresh for the amount of time, like after you shake it together. True Botanicals is also great because it's powder. And I just, I agree that it's any, anybody is going to start getting compliments on their skin if they try using vitamin C. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we both see dramatic benefits and our skin is super different. Super different. Um, and then like other serums, like if people are super serum-y, I mean, I, like there's so many Vintners fans, including me at, uh, at Vintners. The, um, it's one of those things that's great for any age and is, I use it at night. Do you, I think I'll do like, both sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the, there's like this super potent serum with like everything in the world in it from Dr. McCreen. That's, you know, I just feel like if you're like, I want, you know, one of these like super, super serums, that's my vote for like a, you know, chock full of everything. Dr. McCreen. <laughs> this one is really, and she's a dermatologist in, in New York and she, she, she has this organic farm and she like knows what she's doing. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I want to go to her farm. Thanks again for joining us on The Beauty Closet. You can learn more about our new podcast series at goop.com slash beautyclosetpodcast. We hope you'll come back next Wednesday for our next chat. And in the meantime, just tap subscribe to keep up with new episodes. If you're liking what you're hearing, please rate and review the podcast and share it with a friend. Talk soon.